Markets are reversing the gains they saw last night following Jerome Powell's statements at the Federal Reserve meeting. Lobo Tigre of the Independent Speculator joins us to break down what is going on today and why it's happening the way it is. Lobo, welcome back. You and I spoke two weeks ago about why inflation is no longer the driving force for gold. We're going to follow up on that conversation very timely and talk about the Fed. So you presented two charts to me today. The first one shows market action from yesterday. Help us break it down, Lobo. What happened? All right. So first and foremost, you know, I'm a mining and metals guy, and I'm actually not an economist. Uh -huh. So the broader picture for the markets, I have to talk about it because that's the context we're in. Uh, but, you know, my focus is very much on the metals and the mining. So that chart shows gold and the 10 year yesterday. Now, the 10 year is sort of a substitute right now for real rates, since nominal rates are nailed in a floor, right? They're not moving. And inflation you know, is moving, we know it, but as measured, it's not barely budging. So that sort of makes the 10 year like a stand in for real rates at this short term moment. And so what happened yesterday was uh, Powell got on it, and this action didn't happen at the moment of the press release. The moment of the press release, you know, nothing changed. The statement was basically current policy is good and we can get into some of the numbers that that do matter. But nothing changed. It wasn't until Powell started talking, as usual, that the fireworks started. And he was really very, not just, he, he was simultaneously very dovish on the policy and, you know, bend over backwards to reassure everybody that rates wouldn't be raised for a long time, while also very optimistic on the market. So it's not too surprising that there was a knee-jerk reaction. We get a lot of those very emotional markets these days. And, you know, stocks shut up, S&P and the Dow hit, hit records. Um, but the interesting thing was that the bond market responded, that that 10-year rate shot up as well. And you, you might say, well, gee, you know, why, why would that happen if, if the Fed is saying that there's not going to be higher inflation? And my reason for that, my explanation, and you know, the market is not a person, it's not Mr. Market, though we like to use that metaphor, it's thousands, millions of people interacting. So there's no one answer okay, here. So Lobo, Lobo, you were talking to me about irrational exuberance offline. What does that mean? What are you talking about? All right. So what I'm saying is that, you know, well, yesterday's market action, you look at new highs in the S&P and Dow, you know, what can you call that but irrational exuberance at a time where there's still all this trouble? You know, the, the, the Fed has been trying to tell us that everything's great, everything's getting better, but everything's not great yet. Everything's not getting better fast enough. So don't worry, we're going to remain easy. And what had been happening, and particularly impactful for gold and silver, is that the bond market had been calling BS on the Fed. And the Fed keeps saying, we're not raising rates, we're not raising rates. You know, it's like Powell jumping up and down saying, we're not raising rates. But the market was sending rates higher anyway. And yesterday, he somehow managed to persuade investors that, you know, rates really aren't going higher. And I think that the the key point was that the Fed actually said, well, okay, there is going to be higher inflation after all. You know, they raised their expectations this year from 1.8 to 2.4, which is a substantial increase. But at the same time, they said, but don't worry, don't worry, it's not real. It's just transitory, right? Again and again, he hammered that, oh, it's just transitory, it's not real. And I think that that, that BS function of the bond vigilantes are like, oh, okay, well, this is more realistic. You know, maybe we don't need to worry. You know, it's just transitory. And, they, you know, they're going to keep rates low and rates, uh -huh. you know, inflation is going to come back down. 
So yeah. maybe things are okay. And you had this response of the tenure going down. And just like clockwork, what you and I have been speaking about, gold shot up at the same time. You look at that chart, and right. they're like mirror images. They're like a Rorschach chart. Um, that was yesterday. So it's interesting. As you and I speak this morning, Thursday, yeah, uh, that same pattern has reversed itself. Right. It's kind of like uh, you know the hangover the day after <laughs> of that irrational exuberance at the party. And, and investors are saying, well, wait a minute. Maybe they're transitory, but... It's still inflation. And you look at the jobs report, you look at the trouble, you look at the reassurances of easy money, and that still says, you know, it screams that higher inflation is coming. So I see that the, um, you know, <laughs> the irrational exuberance of yesterday is wearing off. We have a reality check today. And you look at that second chart I sent you, or pair of charts, a screenshot. Yeah, take a look. And you have the same relationship. And at the same time, you see these things going in reverse. The 10 year, pops back up again, hitting a new uh, multi-month high. I'm not sure what 1.75 is, but it's like a year and a half high and gold falling off a cliff at the same time. It's not quite so, as high as pre-pandemic levels, I think, but it's very close, no. yeah. Well, yeah, so what month did it? So, but no, at 1.69, I think there are different numbers that people look at, but last uh -huh. time I looked at it, 1.69, it was a 14-month high. Uh -huh. So depends on what you mean by pre-pandemic, I suppose. But, but the main point is the reassurance to our metals-loving audience is just look at the mirror image on this chart. The factor that we've discussed, you know, the, the, the real rates over the last 50 years being not the only variable, but the most explanatory variable for monetary metals, gold and silver. You know, this chart says that relationship is not broken. So then the question is, you know, what happens to rates going forward? And I think the things that you and I have spoken about before are still there. You know, Powell, Powell tried to talk the bond vigilantes off the, the high window ledge, right? Just tried to talk them down yesterday. And for a while, for some hours, it seemed like it worked. Now rates are going back up again. I think the market is saying, you know, BS again, look at all these indicators. And I do think that some sort of Fed action, some sort of intervention will be necessary to control rates. And if they don't, you know, there there will be um, all kinds of heck will break loose. And ultimately, that would be good for gold and silver anyway. Uh, sorry, but the bad news is near term, while this pattern holds, and if rates keep rising, the Fed doesn't do anything, there could be more downside in the near term for gold and silver. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people don't want to hear about buying opportunities, but that is the way I see it. And I do have cash prepared to deploy if that happens. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go back to this chart again. I, I was uh, speaking to a guest yesterday. We were both so hopeful that this is the reversal for gold. This is, this is the end of the bear trend that we've seen. And yet, today, this is what happens. Yields at 1.75, gold down again, 16 bucks right now as we speak, Lobo, Thursday morning. Yeah, I, you're ready to deploy on this market? <laughs> uh, yes, because ultimately, I'm not a chartist, right? And charts... You know, the, the technicals, they, they tell you, well, you know, if this happens, then this might happen. And, you know, the odds are good, but they're no, they're no guarantee. So my view is, is fundamentally that what is happening now is, is truly, uh, you know, it's money printing on a historic level. It's easy fiscal and financial policy on a truly historic level that dwarfs even what happened in 2008, which sent gold and silver up for three years. Uh, so on that if, if, if that's true, if I'm right about that, anything that presents a buying opportunity or a dip in between is something to take advantage of. And 
you know, we haven't even gotten into the broader irrational exuberance of these sure. markets. I mean, you got, you know, the S&P, uh, I, I saw um, Jeff Gunlock talking last night online and and he posted a chart showing the S&P PE ratios now at all time highs, even beating the 1999, 2000 dot com. Sure. I mean, just amazing charts. So there's well, there is plenty of plenty of grounds here for things to to break down. For there to be buying opportunities, and as a fundamentalist, I see those as um, something that I want to take advantage of. Lobo, I'm not a fixed income expert, but even I know that when I look at a chart of the 10-year yield, 1.75 is historically still very low. Why are people? Why are people? Right. Well, by people, I mean the gold community. Sure. Why? Yeah. Why is the gold market freaking out at a 20 basis well, point it, jump? We've talked about that before too. The change of direction matters, David. Right. So if if nominal rates are flat, not changing. And the long bond changes, inflation hasn't adjusted yet. The direction of real rates appears to be going up. And that sure. change I, upwards in the appearance of real rates matters to, well, at least it matters to, or let me rephrase it. It matters to the people in New York and London who trade and set, who, whose actions set the prices we quote. Um, they don't look at it the way I do. They don't care about money printing. They're not Austrian economists. Eventually, I think... You know, that proof will be in the pudding. The piper will have to be paid. But in the meantime, you know, these guys in New York and London, they look at CPI like that's a real number and not also BS. You know, they do the math. They look at the rate. They look at CPI. Well, that, and they that's say, the thing. Oh, I, I, hear, I, hear from, I hear from analysts like yourself that's, you know, a, a lot of people agree with you, Lobo, that the CPI is not an accurate measure of inflation in real time. Well, actually, we do know that CPI is lagging. So maybe next month it'll catch up. But for now, we know that it's not reflecting what's happening in, in, in the economy. So if everybody thinks that way, Lobo, why, why are people still using the CPI as a metric? If, if what you're saying is true, if your thesis is correct, that, uh, that inflation should be much higher, then gold actually should be trading much higher, shouldn't it? Because the perceived real interest rate should be a right. lot lower. Well, so, but I get written off as a gold bug. You know, you and I... Even though you know, you're not quite in the same boat I am, David, uh, you know, we operate in a world and most of our audience operates in a, I don't want to call it, you know, the echo chamber and so on. Most of us, I think, are smart enough to look outside our own preferences and gather information from all sources. But we see information on a daily basis that the broader uh, investor investment world out there doesn't see. So I, I think, like I say, eventually the piper has to be paid. Eventually, money printing does matter, no matter what the MMT people say, or even Powell in his previous press conference saying, you know, that M2 doesn't matter anymore, <laughs> right? I, that's just wrong. And it will be uh, something that will be shown, I think, historically to happen. I, uh, but, but sorry, just, let me just mm -hmm. stress this because I, I actually get pushback all the time. Why, why are you talking about real rates and CPI? Don't you know that CPI is bunk? Well, of course, I know that. But 95% of the investors out there don't know that. What's a and better indicator of inflation then? I'm sorry, what? what? What's a better basket for inflation then if we can't use the CPI? Well, that, that's a good point. So you can look at shadow stats, for example, John Williams' shadow stats. And that's purported to be the way the United States government used to calculate inflation pre the 1980s hedonic and other adjustments. So 
so in, it's a more conservative number in a way. It has technical criticisms. You know, I'm not enough of a mathematician to weigh in on that. Uh -huh. But even that doesn't say it's more real. It just says this is the way the government used to do it. Right. So I, I think, um, you know, someday there will be a, a great gauge of inflation that isn't subject to political jury rigging. Until then, just go to the supermarket or, you know, did I ever show at, you my look at show prices you my... and see if you think inflation is rising or not. Did I ever show you my gold to Big Mac ratio? You did, and we talked about that last yeah. time. And, yeah. and my, my turnaround on that is that it lags longer term, uh, but in many ways, you know, gold is your best measure of inflation. So that's a, that sounds like a scary thing to say because it can drop 50% in between peaks or something. Right. Uh, but, but if you look, pull back, pull back for, you know, since the price of gold was disconnected from being the foundation of the dollar in 71. And you look at what's happened to the dollar, you look at what's happened to gold. Uh, you know, th that's a real measure of inflation. I'm frankly surprised yields didn't rise yesterday following the statement because Jerome Powell was quite yes. positive on the economy. He says the well, he says his projected GDP growth is 6.5%. Uh, he wants the the inflation rate to run harder than 2%. These are very like bullish outlooks for the economy. Usually, when that happens, yields run hotter. Uh, it didn't yesterday. Why is it turning around today? What what happened this morning that That's, I didn't see? You know, well, so the first part of irrational exuberance is irrational. And like I say, I, I think the market or the bond guys must have felt that, wow, you know, the, the, he's finally coming clean. He's talking about higher inflation, but manageable. And it goes back down. And, you know, by the two year time frame of the 10 year, uh, Powell is saying inflation will be back down again. So uh -huh. you know, maybe that's why yesterday there was this knee jerk instant response. But if you think about it a little bit more, I mean, 2.4 percent for the year, one point whatever it is now. That implies much higher than 2.4% between now and then. Yeah. And, you know, I, I can see where people say, well, um, let me think about that, you know. And there's there's this question out there about, you know, can, can Powell really take the heat of higher inflation saying, oh, it's just transitory, it's just transitory. But it's not just Powell. It's the bond market. It's the other markets. Can anybody take the heat? of higher inflation just because the powers that be are telling us, oh, it's just transitory. But yeah. it's a funny thing that you mentioned this about yesterday. I had written in the current edition of The Independent Speculator, the title is the Fed is damned if it does and damned if it doesn't. And I thought, you know, I don't, I like to make bold predictions, predictions, but my guess was that the Fed would do nothing, keep policy steady, safest course. And that's what they did. But I thought that that would cause bonds to rise because they've been doing that already. They've been calling BS on that policy. And the last time Fed uh, Chair Powell said he wasn't going to do anything, bonds leapt. So I really thought that, you know, that would be the damned if they don't scenario. And they didn't yesterday, but he wasn't damned yesterday. Instead, it's happening today. So, you know, wh why did it take time for, for reality to sink in here? We may never know, David, okay. but it looks to me like it is sinking in. So. And, uh, you know, uh -huh. well, the charts let's, uh, that we've looked at tell us what to do on this basis. Let's sum it up for gold and then we'll move on to another metal and then we'll wrap up there. So gold's your outlook then, your short term. Give us a medium outlook. Well, first of all, talk about yields, 1.75. Every time someone says it can't go above 1.35, can't go above 1.5, can't go above 1.7. Here we are, 1.75. Yeah. Where's it going next and what's going to happen to gold? Tie it, as, tie it as in for us. Yes. Yeah, so... <laughs> 
You know, I don't like to put a target number on these things. They're always wrong. But I do think yields go higher unless the Fed does something. Yeah. The, the data that the uh, investors are reacting to keeps pointing higher. And those rates, I think, will go higher. I think, uh, you know, I, I'm not an economist, but from other people that I respect, that I've listened to, it seems to me that if it does go above 2%, things start breaking in a big way. And that would really force the, the Fed's hand. You know, when that happens, I don't know. But if that happens, I, I would expect some more substantive and, and policy change from the Fed. And until that happens, uh, that's bearish for gold. I'm not going to yep. give you a price target. Can it go back under 1700? Sure. Do I think it's going to 1000? No. Uh, but we could see significant weakness until things turn around. Either the Fed intervenes yeah. or CPI numbers start coming in much higher and overcoming the increase in rates. I'd just like to state for the record that you and I have spoken several times. Your short to medium term forecasts have generally been correct. I know you get a lot of hate mail for that, and you'll probably get some more hate mail for what <laughs> you just said. And uh, I know you probably enjoy reading those. But uh, anyway, I just like to uh, I like to say anyway, we'll, we'll follow up on this. And uh, yeah, that was a good point. Let's move on to uranium. Talk about the uranium other yellow metal, Lobo. Yeah. So it's exciting times. It, it, <laughs> So I have to stress that it's usually a mistake to make too much ado over, you know, a daily fluctuation or two, a couple ticks. But the uranium spot market has been ticking consistently down for months and, you know, maybe one blip up, but it's been tracking down for months. And over the last month, it's been down almost every day until this last week and, and the end of last week. With the last three price changes have all been upwards. And the one, uh, not yesterday, but day before yesterday, was up $2 all at once, which on a $27 basis is a very significant uptick. So <clears throat> I have been saying for some time, I'm a uranium bull. I get the thesis that you can't mine the stuff at current prices. Uh -huh. You can't substitute you know, thorium or anything else or windmills for uranium for a long time. So the prices have to go up absent another major nuclear accident. So yeah. it's a when, not if question. But my problem was buying the stocks. And I'm a speculator. I'm not just, you know, I'm going to stuff uranium under my mattress. I'm looking to speculate on the stocks. My problem is that stocks have been going up for months. Yeah, that was my next question. Yeah. Going down. You don't need uranium price to go up. <laughs> so it would seem. Um, but ultimately, I'm a fundamentalist. Reality does matter. And so I've been saying, and people, I get hate for this. You know, I, my uranium bug friends don't like it. But I'm saying, I'm not going to chase these stocks that are rising while the uranium price is well, why? Why? Can you tell me why? What, I have never seen divergence like that before. No, I can't tell you why. I think uh, I think there's been an expectation that the long-term contracts we've been waiting for are starting to happen, and that mm. that's going to push spot up suddenly. And this is such a tiny market that you don't need the entire world to decide. Oh, yeah, uranium's going up, so we're going to buy in advance. A few whales participating in this market could. Uh, really change the dynamic in advance of the data showing itself. If yeah. you assume that that smart money pushing the stocks up ahead of the uranium price itself going up, you jump on that, you know, it works out, that's great. But that's that's a big assumption. And I just haven't been willing to make that. I, I'm a fundamentalist. It just goes the wrong way, rubs my wolf fur the wrong way to yeah. pay more for something, the fundamental value of which is dropping. I, I just can't go there. Um, so I've been saying, though, that what I want to see is the stock's correct, you know, give me a better buying point, or uranium to start going up. 
And so what I'm saying today is, you know, a couple of days don't make me say, ooh, it's off to the races. Uranium is, 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 is going to spike now to a new record high. Uh, but it is a notable change. At some point, you know, the, mark, the market changes and we may be at that point now. So this is sort of an early warning to the audience out there. One of the two conditions that I have asked for to start deploying more in the uranium space may be happening right now, David, as you and I speak. It could be starting. So heads up, watch this space. Uh, if uranium does start, you know, showing solid upward movement, I, I do expect to be deploying more cash in this area near term. I just have to, is it true, I spoke to a miner recently, is it true that there's no, currently no production of uranium in North America right now? Everything's just shut down? Yeah, the, the last few had, um, had been producing as recently as 2019. Some of them had long-term contracts at higher prices. And some of them, you know, it takes time to shut down the mine. And if you think it's going to start up again, you'll produce even at a loss anyway, just rather than shut it down and start it up again. So there had been, you know, a, a tail, a very small tail of production. But really, on a, on a practical level, there's been no um, significant amount of uranium production in the United States mm -hmm. for years. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot from other sources. So it doesn't really matter. It's a fungible market globally. Yeah. But it but yes, that's basically true. And so the, what happened last year was that those little tails of, you know, residue production basically dried up. Sure. All right. Lobo, thank you for coming on. Great talk. We'll see you next time. Glad to be back with you, David. And thank you for watching Kitco News. I'm David Lin. Stay tuned for more coverage and subscribe. Where are we right now in the commodity cycle?